I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been addressing the coronavirus. I'm going to go into one of the other judgments I started last week. There are four judgments. I don't know whether the coronavirus is manufactured by man. I don't know what these higher-ups have to do with it. I don't know if it's worse or it's just not as bad as what people say. I don't know. I don't really believe anybody knows, but I do know this. I have spent my life studying the judgments of God and the end of time for the last, since 1964. That's when I started the studying the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70 weeks of Daniel is about Israel being scattered because it's about Israel being scattered because they went after the wrong gods. The Lord said, there's four judgments that I will send. I am very familiar with the four judgments of God. As far as whether the coronavirus is the final disease that God's going to send, there's one thing for sure. If it is, it's going to get worse and worse. If it's not, there'll be another disease that God will send that will be absolutely incurable. Now, that's not the only thing that's wrong with the world. Coronavirus is a pestilence. I don't know how serious it is or how serious it's not. I don't know. I keep looking at everybody on the Internet and everybody's got a different thing to say. But I do know this. I know the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And pestilence is disease. And the beast. I know those are the four judgments of God. The beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And the reason the beast is called the beast is because Babylon was represented as the lion. And you're going to see this in Daniel 7. You're going to see it in Revelation 13. And sometimes you'll see it in other verses. You'll see it over there in Hosea 13. And it won't say it exactly like this, but it will say the bear, the leopard. This is Hosea I put house. <laughs> when I'm talking, I can't think right. Hosea 13. And that will say the bear, the leopard, and the lion. And that will call the beast. That is what the beast is. And it says they will, they will pogal. They will intercede with Israel. Now, intercede doesn't mean a good thing all the time, but it would be good in the long run for Israel. Intercede, Paga in the Old Testament, E-N-T-U-G-C-H-A-N-O, in the Greek New Testament, and they mean the same thing. It means to impinge progress. So how can God be impinging the progress of Israel with a bear, a leopard, and a lion? 
Babylon is represented in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Babylon is represented as a lion. Persia is represented as a bear. This is why it's called the beast. Greece is, is represented as a leopard. And the one that subdues all these is Rome or the beast with iron teeth. Beast with iron teeth. And iron is always identified with Rome or the Roman Empire, which is comes out of Babylon. And all of these, Babylon overthrew Israel in, in 586 B.C. Northern Israel was overthrown, and northern Israel is nothing less than northern Babylon. It was overthrown by Assyria in 722 B.C. Actually, it was longer than that. There were three deportations of Babylon, three, and three deportations of northern Israel by Assyria. Well, I'm not going to go into all those right now. Uh, but they lasted for about a 10-year period from 732 to 722 is how Assyria came in and overthrew Israel. From 605 to 586, is, there were three deportations of Israel by Babylon. And that was all came about because God kept telling Israel, if you go after other a reason I left this blank because I'm going to talk about the sword, which is one of the signs of the end of time. The sword would be wars. Now, Israel had to obey God in order to beat their enemy, in order to be the heavens, which is the ruling class. Israel had to overthrow their enemies. They had to obey God. Well, they lost that to the beast when they went after these other gods. They went after the other gods for a 500-year period. Actually, if you add it up, it's about 510 years. 510 years, while they were a nation under kings, this would be southern Judah. Southern Judah, and they were a nation under kings until they were carried away in this started, it was 510 years, 510 years. And then they were, then, then they were carried away in 586 B.C. And Jerusalem was in southern Ju Judah. Therefore, the temple was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that's when the temple was desecrated and leveled to the ground along with the city. Now, what we're talking about, the beast, God tells Israel when they're in the desert, when they're coming out of Egypt, they get to Mount Sinai and Moses gets the law. And God says in Deuteronomy 28 and in Leviticus 26, I want you to turn to Leviticus 26. I haven't mentioned that as much, as much. But go to Leviticus, the 26th chapter. Leviticus 26. You can believe we're close to the end of time. Leviticus, 
the 26th chapter. This is a sister chapter to Deuteronomy 28. I've used Deuteronomy 28 as a springboard chapter, but I'm going to read some out of the first thing that Moses writes down. If you're obedient to me, you'll go against your enemy one way, and there'll be seven ways. And and you'll, your crops will be full, your storehouse will be full. But if you disobey me and don't walk according to my commandments, the reason I'm preaching this is because the preachers in America are not telling truth. Preachers know truth. All of the preachers are talking about the charismatics and Pentecostals are talking about tongues. And the word tongue is just the word glossa and dialectos. That's the word dialect. There was a different dialect of the koine. Koine is the word common. There was a common street language in every city-state, and there were different dialects of the Greek language. That's the word that's used in Acts 2, when they said, how hear we ever man and our own dialect wherein we were born. These were Jews from every nation under heaven because they were scattered in 586 B.C. and they adapted to all the languages of the world or all of the glossa. Glossa means foreign language. That has nothing to do with the Pentecostals and Charismatics are saying. I've got one DVD that's got four Four tongues messages on it. It's, I hate to have to say this to you people who have been deceived by it, but it's an out-and-out -out lie. You've been lied to. The Baptists know it's not true, but they don't know what it means. They haven't studied it. I've spent my life studying it. Glossary, we get our word glossary from that. It means foreign language. Foreign language, and I'm not going to go into that. There's no truth being preached the Baptist and the Pentecostals are talking about accept Christ. These are the big major problems with the preachers. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. They say that is the method of salvation. The Bible says that's not true. The natural, the physical man does not receive spiritual things. Receive dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says dead men don't accept anything spiritual. And they got the sinner's prayer for salvation. And as these Baptist preachers are preaching their invitation him, God's not inviting anyone into the kingdom. He's commanding all those that he has chosen before the foundation of the world to conform to his likeness and he births them by his will of his own will begat he us we were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of god it's not accept christ it's not a sinner's prayer we know that god heareth not sinners the blind man said in john nine thirty one. if any man be a worshiper of god and doeth his will him he heareth You've got to be worshiping God and doing the will of God. What about Romans 10, 13? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's right, but you won't call till you believe. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? I'm not going to pray to Zeus anymore. I'm not going to pray to Jupiter because I don't believe they're there. 
You can't call on a God you don't believe in. Well, the preachers are not telling truth. And this Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 applies to the preachers today. How can the church obey God when the preachers are not telling truth? How are you saved? By grace through faith. <laughs> Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in faith. I'm going to say this again because most people don't know this. I grew up, got into my 30s. I didn't know what the difference between faith and belief was. There is not any difference. One's the verb, the other's the noun. Faith. And everything that we've talked about faith being, it's death to self. Faith. That's the noun. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. Everything else is built upon the stem. When you put believe down, that's the verb. It is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. Has the same stem as faith. It has the basic same definition. Being a verb, that's something you do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness. How do you become righteous? God's got to birth you by his will, and he'll cause you to be righteous by the fire and the trials and the persecution. Now, all right, look here in Leviticus 26. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It says in the first part of the chapter, just like it says in the first part of Deuteronomy 28, if you keep my laws and my commandments, you'll get this increase. You have to keep my statutes in verse 3. I'll give you rain in due season. The land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and you'll have more vintage than you can, than you can imagine. But, verse 14, if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, how can we do the commandments of God when the preachers are lying? I've spent my life studying Bible. For the last 45 years, I have spent night and day, decades, digging into the Greek and the Hebrew text. And I still do that. I'm not an expert. Nobody is. Let me just show you something here. This is the interlinear Bible. I said this to to uh, one of the guys before we started. Frank. Huh? Frank. Frank. I said to Frank, this is an interlinear Bible. It has got the original text on the top line. This is the Textus Receptus. Got the Greek on the top line. It got the English under it. I don't even trust these translators of the interlinear Bible. I use the word to locate the Greek word, and then I just brush the English word aside, and I go into the Greek word, and I want to know what it means. There's a lot of mistakes in the King James Bible, not in the Textus Receptus. Now, that's the true word of God. The Greek. New Testament is written in Greek. Now, he says, if you will not do my commandments, but how can you do it when the preachers are preaching these lies? 
You say, Jim, aren't they just making a mistake? No. When they say the way to, method of salvation is a sinner's prayer and accepting Christ, when the Bible says it's by grace through faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And believe is the verb. It's what you do. If you have to confess Christ, and that doesn't mean all the Baptists I ever knew, they give these long invitations to him, get people to come down to the front and confess Christ. That's not confessing Christ. Confess is the word homologeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. That's the word confess. It's also translated profess in Titus 1.16. Titus 1.16 says some men profess that they know God, but in works doing. We're not saved by works. But does works have anything to do with it? Absolutely. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He's not going to birth himself a family and then just leave them alone to grow up by themselves without his help. He's going to put you through fire and trials and persecution and cause you to be obedient to him. The Bible has hundreds of verses on obeying God and disobeying God. It's got hundreds of verses about how we have to be obedient to him, how we have to do the truth. You can't just say, I walked down the aisle and got saved and prayed this prayer and I'm home free. No, you're not. That's what my father preached. It's just not true. Then he says, if you despise my statutes or if you so abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant. You can't do anything else but that when you got Billy Graham and Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and, and Charles Stanley and all these people telling you either sinners pray, accept Christ, or speak in tongues. You can't obey God. You don't know how. You don't even know what the words mean. I wrestle with faith and believe all my life till I got to study in the Greek text. And, they, and they're the basic same word, faith and belief. One's the verb, the other's the noun. I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, if you're not obedient. Is there terror in the world today? I guess there is. There's wars all over the world. I was looking on the Internet, searching, and I asked the Internet, how many nations do we have in the world? A hundred and ninety-five. I asked the Internet, these experts, how many w nations are at war in the world? One of them said, only 11 nations are not at war. Now, they'll differ sometimes in what they're saying. It depends on what they count as war. One of them said there are 69 nations in out-and-out -out war today. The Bible says at the end of time, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Now, that's not just, that's not just, just pestilence that, that is assigned to us. The sword, war. It is, I'm going to give you some facts and figures on that in just a minute. There's terror out there. 
They don't even count the United States at war other than overseas. They don't even count the fact that we got so much rebellion in America. Got all of this inner conflict in the in America today. That we're in a drug war. All they're counting is that we're in war with Russia on paper over in the Middle East. That's a part of the sign of the end. It's not just coronavirus. I don't know. That may not be that serious. It might be. And it might just grow into something. may get out of hand. If it belongs to God, and it does, he does everything. I don't believe man can plan something and keep control of it when it's evil. I'll point over you consumption. Consumption means starvation. It's the word shakeb, shakeb feth. It means and the burning og. Og is the word called a q a d d a c h a t h, q a d d a. C H A T H. It means inflammation. Anything that inflames, burns inside of you, every disease that we get. I've had bronchitis for years. I've, you know what's helped me to overcome bronchitis? I'm under the treatment of a doctor, but I believe one of the main things. I've changed my attitude in life. I'm not trying to, I don't get frustrated or anything or anybody anymore. When people try to, I've had people come here and try to take over the ministry, leave here and try to start a ministry nearby, trying to hurt the ministry, and I don't pay any attention to it. That's between them and God. I don't pay any attention to at a car wreck. I don't, anything that happens that seems out of the way, I just look at my wife and say, that's the will of God. She she messed up on canning some things. She had to throw the canned things away the other day. I said, that's the will of God. Somebody tells me uh, my my cousin died or my brother died. I said, that's the will of God. You know that, don't you? I don't put any less compassion on them for their tears, but I still say that's the will of God, and that helps people to to handle the difficulties that comes. Nothing's happening outside the will of God. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He's declared the end from the beginning. From ancient times, everything that's not yet done, the good and the bad, saying, my counsel shall stand and I'll do all my pleasure. God's doing everything he wants to do. Sometimes I get real sad. I go through depression. But guess what? Jesus did too. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We're predestined to be like him or in his likeness. So if he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, so will we be. Where does sorrow come from in grief? And much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Ephesians, I'll get it in a minute. Ecclesiastes one eighteen. The wiser you get, the more sorrowful you get. How do you get sorrowful? You look at a world that doesn't believe God, and they're listening to these false preachers, and they're comfortable in their lethargy and their laziness. 
And then he goes on to say, The burning og and all this shall consume their eyes and cause sorrow of heart when you're disobedient to God and you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemy shall eat it. And I will set my face against you and you shall be slain before your enemies. You'll no longer be the heavens. And they shall hate you, shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth. Now look over here in Matthew 24. We're talking about the end of time. There's going to be more than coronavirus. I believe we're on the very verge of eternity. I don't know how long it will be. I don't believe it can be very long. I believe the young people of today will see the end. I don't see how we could go another 20 years about without America going insane. Now look over here in Matthew 24. There are some chapters in the Bible that will tell you about the end of time more than everybody comes, calls me and says, what about Revelation? When are you going to preach on the end of time? Let me tell you the chapters that have more about the end of time than Revelation, okay? Here's some chapters that have more about the end of time. Matthew 24 has more about the end of time than Revelation. Matthew 24. 24. Mark 13. That's a sister chapter to Matthew 24. Luke 21. That's another sister chapter to these two. Luke 21. You'll find more about the end of time in these if you know something about the Old Testament. Then you've got chapters like like First uh, Thessalonians, the first chapter and the second chapter. And you've got First Thessalonians, the fourth and the fifth chapter. These talk about the end of time when Christ is coming back. Uh, and we which are alive and remain survive unto the coming of the Lord. The fifth chapter says the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But it turns right around and says you're not the children of the darkness, you people at Thessalonica, that the, that day should overtake you as a thief. It won't overtake you as a thief. Because I'll give you signs. You're the children of the light, not the children of the darkness. I'll give you signs. He says the same thing in Matthew 24. And he also says in Second Timothy, the third chapter, in the last days perilous times will come. Well, we're in those times right now. Perilous means dangerous. The world is dangerous right now. But let me back up here in Matthew 24. I want to show you what the Bible says about the end of time. We're, I believe we're sitting on the verge of eternity. Not because of one disease, but because of the sword, the famine, 
the pestilence and the beast. The beast is the world ruling system. And it's moving in very slowly, very deceitfully, very, it's slithering in like a snake upon the world. There are all of these wars going on. And the Bible says that the apostles come to Jesus in Matthew 24 and they say, when are these things going to be? When one stone is not left upon another. And they said, of course, that was going to happen in 70 AD when Titus, the Roman general, leveled the city. But the apostles and most of the people in that day and time believed the temple in Jerusalem would last till the end of time. So they asked him a twofold question. What's going to be, when are these things going to be where the temple's going to be leveled? That's going to be in 70 AD. And what's going to be the sign of thy coming? P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. -A, your physical arrival. Physical arrival. And of the end. End of the world. Now some men have twisted these verses here and they've made the they've made this something that they say Jesus came back in 70 AD and appeared in the temple in a flash of lightning the why would he do that when he's got the Jews blinded until the end of time he wouldn't come back then and they call this preterism preterism comes from the word preterite which is a past tense verb in the Hebrew. Past tense. They're saying that everything happened in the generation that Jesus was here that has to do with the end of time. No, end of the world is the word A-I-O-N-O-S. But they, they say, well, that just is a period of time. Well, every time that word is used, anytime you have the word forever, forever, eternal, they come from this word. They come from this word, ion, ionos. And it, it's talking about, what are you, when are you coming back? When is your appearance going to be? Jesus wouldn't appear in 70 AD and give the Jews a chance to believe in him. There's no chances with God. None. Now, Let's read on down here. I want to get to the wars and rumors of wars, and I'm going to show you. It's not just a coronavirus or any other disease. There's also going to be wars and rumors of wars at the end of time. That's going on now. And Jesus answered, said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Planeo. P-L-A-N-A-O. That comes from several words. It comes from planetes. We get our word planet from that. It means a rover. One who goes from place to place and leads people away from the truth. It also has a related meaning to cause people, to cause someone 
to go out of the way, out of the way. Way is the word hodos. There's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. Narrow and a broad way. And the narrow way leads to eternal life and only a few are going to find it. Few. The broad way, the broad hodos, many go in there at. Many. So anybody who calls you to leave the way is deceiving you. The way is narrow. It means to crowd through a narrow opening. And the word tribulation comes from the word narrow. Narrow is the word talibo. Tribulation is the word thalipsis. It's a form of thalibo. Thalibo would be the verb form. Thalipsis would be the noun form. That's the word tribulation. So if anybody says you don't have to go through tribulation and be depressed, are we supposed to be depressed? Absolutely, we are predestined to conform to Christ's likeness. It's very depressing to look out at a world that's believing these preachers about accept Christ and sinner's prayer and tongues and all of that garbage and to look at the world and they don't believe God. People write to me and say, you're crazy, you're an old man. You're right, I'm an old man. I ain't crazy, though. And then he goes on to say, For many shall come in my name, in my authority. And I'll, I've read this so many times, I've never had anybody comment to me on it. And they're going to say that I am Christ and shall deceive many. They're not going to say that they're Christ there should be quotes around this. Jesus says, but there are no quotes in the Greek. Jesus said, they're going to say that I, me, Jesus is the Christ. And even in their saying that I am Jesus the Christ, they're going to deceive many because they're going to have the wrong doctrine with all these accept Christ and tongues and sinner's prayer. Now, let's read on. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about at his parousia, at his coming. Wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I've got some papers here I got off the Internet. It'll tell you about the wars that we've got in the world today. It's just unbelievable, the amount of wars. It gives me some charts here. It'll tell you what nations are at war, how many people have died, and cumulative, or how they've all been put together in all of their wars that the Afghanistan conflict, they had the Afghan-Soviet War in 1978, Afghan Civil War in 1989, 1992, Afghan Civil War. Civil War means they're warring among themselves. The Afghan Civil War in 1996 through 2001. In Asia, there have been 227,510 killed in 2018. There's been a total of 2 million killed in these wars 
and 15 to 10,590 have been killed in 2020. Then you have the Yemen crisis. Yemen is down on the southeastern, the, south, the southern border of the Sinai Peninsula. And the Yemen civil war, 2015 to present, Al-Qaeda insurgency in Yemen, the southern Yemen insurgency. Insurgency means rebellion within the nation. That's where people rise up against the particular monarch or king. And they've had Yemen, Saudi Arabia, 26,230 from 1994 to 2018. 19, 1,927 deaths in battles. And this is in 2019. 20,882 fatalities in total. And then they had 11,413 fatalities in 2020. This is just getting started, folks. There's wars and rumors of wars going on. Nations you're not even familiar with. Some of them you've heard of in some movie. In Somalia, they have a civil war where they're fighting among themselves. They had 500,000 total fatalities in Somalia from 1991 to the present. They had 2,637 in 2019, 1,605 in 2020. Then they have the, the Ituri War conflict. That's in Africa. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, 60,000 total fatalities in their war that started back in 1999. And then you had the insurgency in Maghreb, wherever that is. That's Algeria, Burkina Faso, Chad, Libya, Mali. That's in Africa. I knew a girl that went over there on a missionary trip. Mauritania, Morocco, Niger, and Tunisia. 16,873 in these wars over there. And a lot of these can be insurgents. A lot of it can be wars against drugs. Then you had Iraqi conflict. Whew. The Iraq war, insurgency, that's where they rise up. In Iraq, you got the Sunnis and the Shiites finding each other. And they're all Muslims. One is the followers of, of Muhammad. The other is the follower of Ali, his nephew. And they're trying to kill each other. And then when the United States brings troops in, they say, let's stop our war. Let's get together and fight the Yanks. So they start killing us. The Iraqi Civil War from 2014 to 2017. Iraqi insurgency, that's fighting among themselves, 2017 to the present. They have had 650,000 to 2,400,000 fatalities. Wars and rumors of wars. And then they got the Kivu conflict, Democratic Republic of the Congo. These are the rumors of wars. These are ongoing conflicts in their nations.
They have had 11,873 in the Congo. The Boko Haram insurgency in Africa, Nigeria, Cameroon, Niger, Chad, 51,567 deaths. And these are ongoing conflicts. The ethnic violence in South Sudan, 383,000 up to 400,000 total fatalities. The Libyan conflict, you remember Gaddafi? He was the guy that we went over and attacked and killed him. That was in Libya. I remember Libya because that's where Ronald Reagan put that blockade that they couldn't ship anything into India and he put these sanctions on Libya. They couldn't get any of our goods. The Libyan Civil War, they've had 29,859 between that and 42,253 fatalities. This goes on and on. We got war. The whole world is at war. You got Arab-Israeli conflict, 191,500 total fatalities. The Colombian conflict in South America. War in Catatumba, one of their big cities, in South America, they've had 220,000 in Colombia killed. Colombia's what all those drug cartels are, and they're at war with them, and these cartels are running people out of their homes, and they're running up to the, this fence that we got all the way down our southern border to keep them from coming in, but the cartels taking over their homes say, get out, we'll kill you. They got that on the news. You know what this is a sign of the end? Just as much as coronavirus or any other disease that's sent. Moro conflict. This is the democratic. The Moro conflict is the Philippines. They got war over there. They've had 120,000, between 120,000 and 150,000 total fatalities in the Philippines. Then back to the Democratic Republic of Congo in 1996, 33, just 1996, 3,353. Pakistan, 45,265. Insurgency in Egypt, 772. Then they got Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, the Persian Gulf crisis. You've got They've got listed here all of South America. They're warring all over down there. They're warring all over Europe. This is not, this is not just Iran, Iraq, and Lebanon. It's all over the world. Wars and rumors of wars. Kabinda, Angola, Africa, 30,000 total fatalities. Terrorism in Punjab, that's Pakistan, in India, in Egypt. It's all over the world. There's wars and rumors of wars, and this is the sign of the end. They got wars in Mexico, particularly drug wars. They've had 
in Mexico, 27,662 in their drug wars. I can't even read all these. They've got wars all over South America. They've got insurgencies. That's where they have re rebellion in themselves. And we think of Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Mexico, Turkey, and Somalia, and Marab, the region of Sahal region, which is, has got Africa, Algeria, Libya. I can't, I can't give you all of this. We're at war all over the world. You think Trump or Biden can fix this? Can they fix the wars in the world? No way. It's just interesting to go online and do something besides play games. Look at these facts of what's going on in the world. They've got drug wars all over the world where they're killing off people as fast as they can. The drug cartels don't go by the law. That's why Colombia is one of the worst places to go in the world. It's run by the d drug heads. Now, I've been talking about the beast being conquered. The beast has a rise up at the end of time. I believe at the same time the beast is going to rise, the famine. All of these nations were mentioning they're at war because the people are starving to death. The people down in Venezuela are starving. They've been breaking up for years. I remember when I was in high school, Argentina was just at war constantly. When I was in high school in the mid-50s, that's when the... Uh, what's his name, the president and his wife were overthrown down there. And I remember reading an article. I remember reading an article in the, uh, what's that paper we got in high school? The, uh, I can't think of it. It's a teenage paper, a book. And they said at that time, does anybody remember the name of the president? Huh? Perone. Perone. Uh, Juan Perone and Eva, Eva Perone. They even made a play about Eva Perone and had somebody singing and she was supposed to be Eva Perone. And they said that when they, they were being overthrown in Argentina, that they, this is 1956, a weekly reader, that's what I read it in. They said it took a barrel full of pesos to buy a loaf of bread that's how famine has been going on down there that long it hasn't straightened out and they're fighting and warring and running everybody out of their homes and they're running to the fence that we put down here do you think the fence is going to stop people i think donald trump had maybe had america at heart but it ain't going to help we're in the throes, T-H-R-O-E-S, the throes of the end of time. I believe the, the time is just about here for Jesus to come back. I don't know how long. I believe there will be war against the church. I believe there will be famine. There will be pestilence. 
I don't know if the coronavirus is that bad or if it's not that bad. I don't know that. I don't think anybody really does. But whatever, when the end comes, there's going to be a disease like you've never seen before. There's going to be wars, and we don't even know how much the world is at war. Let me read some more of that chapter. For nation shall rise against nation. That's very interesting. This sounds like Black Lives Matter. Nation is the word ethnos. That's a nation. That is also the word ethnic or Gentile. It's ethnics are going to rise against ethnics. Blacks against whites, whites against reds, reds against yellow, whites against yellow, yellow against black. It's going to be race is going to fight against race. That's why I keep saying my brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father. That's what Jesus said. It don't matter what color they are. If people learned that, they would stop giving each other a hard time. That's the only answer. There's no answer to all of these fights that's going on. Now, one of the other things that's a sign of the end of time. I started on it last week. One of the other things that's a sign of the end is Israel coming back after being scattered for all that time. Now you're going to find this. All of this is a sign of the end. All of it. Not just the pestilence, but the famine that is worldwide, the sword which is war. It's already here. I know that young people don't want to hear this. They want to live a long life, and I hope I can have a career and have a wife and family. And I feel sorry for the children. I really do, that they have to grow up in a, such an insane world. I was over at Glenn and Brittany's yesterday, and I pointed at that little girl, and I said, she's the one I feel sorry for. She's got to grow up in this in a crazy world. Now, look over here in Israel was scattered because you know why they were scattered? Because of false doctrine. They were worshiping Baal in the grove. Baal and grove. When you look up the word Hercules in the McClinic and Strong, Hercules will say the Tyrian Baal. That's what it will say under Hercules. It is Baal or Hercules that Israel brought into Israel for a 500 year period and scattered them all over the world because they weren't obeying God. And that command comes out of Deuteronomy 28, 28, and that was the lion, the bear, and the leopard. When Babylon carried southern Judah away, northern Israel had been carried away by Assyria in 722, 
then Persia overthrows Babylon. Persia is the same thing as Afghanistan, Pakistan. That was Persia. And these are at war with, with Israel and they're at war with us because we've supported Israel in this petitioning of them become a nation from May 14, 1948. I've been studying this all my life. I am not nervous about telling people about it. I really believe that we are on the verge of the end. The Bible says once Israel is scattered, they're scattered because they went after Baal and the grove. Baal was the fire god. And the grove was the tree goddess. You can find the grove in, in Jeremiah 10. You can find the grove in in Isaiah 44. And every time the Old Testament mentions the grove, it's the word Asherah. It means the upright goddess. It was the tree goddess or it was the Christmas tree, whether people like it or not. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Boy, I could talk about that for two hours, but I won't. So, Israel's going to be scattered. And the Bible says God's going to bring them back at the end of time into one nation. I told you this last week that they were scattered. They were broken into two nations because Solomon ignored the commandment of God to be obedient to his laws. And God split the nation of Israel into southern Judah, which was southern Israel. And to, North, and to Ephraim, or Joseph, which was northern Israel. Ephraim was Joseph's second-born son. And the Bible calls it Joseph. So anytime you see Joseph or Ephraim long after they're dead, it's talking about northern Israel. And when Judah is referred to long after he's dead, which was comprised of Judah and Benjamin, just two tribes... And northern Israel was the ten northern tribes headed up by Ephraim or Joseph. They were split because of, because of Solomon went after. Solomon really broke the law of God first. He allowed his 700 wives and 300 concubines, which were secondary wives, concubines. He allowed them to keep their Shemash gods, that was the tree, that was the sun god of Moab next door to them, southern Jordan, allowed to keep their Molech gods, their Ashtaroth, which is a generic term for all the tree goddesses, A S H T O R E T H, Ashtoreth, E is plural, with an O is singular, and they kept all of their gods, and they had hundreds of their gods. Because Solomon did this, God split it. That split happened in 1 Kings, the 11th and 12th chapter, 11 and 12. You've got to read both chapters to see the whole story. At the end of time, God says he's going to heal. He's going to heal 
this division between between Judah and Ephraim, which was called Joseph. He's going to heal that. I brought that out last week in Isaiah, the 11th chapter. When you see Israel come back into one nation, you can believe that we're close to the end of time. They're one nation now. One. They were scattered because they went after the fire and the tree gods. The same system that Constantine brought into the church and renamed Christ Mass. All he did was change the name of the Feast of Saturn, Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia, and renamed it Christ Mass. The Feast of Saturn, Saturn was the father of the gods, and they said they thought the sun was burning out on December the 21st, so they had a festival from December the 17th until the 24th, seven days, and they said that they threw the Yule log into the fire, and it sprung out in the form of a tree on the 25th, and they that was the tree that was the giver of all divine gifts to men. That's the Christmas tree. I got a million things to say on that. I don't have time to say it. So what we're looking at, we're looking at the prophecy of the end of time when Israel comes back into one nation. The Bible says, God healed this breach between them in the 11th chapter of Isaiah. What we're going to look at right now is Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. Let's go there. That tells you the same thing that Isaiah 11 says. It, it don't matter whether people believe this. I've spent my life studying this. don't matter whether they believe it or not. It's true. Now let's go to Isaiah I would just like to keep reading that 24th chapter of Matthew, but I can't do all this at once. Ezekiel or Isaiah? Ezekiel. I, I, I told you about Isaiah 11 last week. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. I'm going to be on this subject for several weeks on Saturday. Now, Ezekiel is over in Babylon. Ezekiel has been carried away with this captivity into Babylon. There were three deportations, 605 B.C. That was a peaceful deportation where Nebuchadnezzar come in, carried away a lot of Israel because they weren't being obedient to him. And then they had a 597 B.C., and then the final destructive destroying of Jerusalem came in 586 B.C. That's where Nebuchadnezzar came in, leveled the temple, leveled, carried away all the vessels of the house of the Lord, leveled Jerusalem, plowed it up, sowed salt in it so nothing would grow there. And Jerusalem was destroyed and so was the temple. So they're over there in Jerusalem and God measures out 70 times 7. That's the 70 weeks of Daniel. You'll find that in Leviticus, the 26th chap 25th chapter, where God says you have to take 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 
and every seven years you got to let the land lie fallow because you can't just keep growing in a land and keep sucking all the nutrients out without giving the land rest. And the Bible speaks of God carrying Israel away till the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. You can't just grow in one spot and just all the time you'll pull all the nutrients out. The farmers know that in crop rotation. They know that in America. And if they do overplant land, they've got farm agents that will come out and and do a soil sample and take it back to their lab and tell the farmer what maybe they may take samples from all over several areas and they'll tell the farmers what kind of what kind of dung they need to put out there or what kind of fertilizer they need to put maybe some commercial fertilizer to make the ground full of nutrients again well we're going to see that Israel they went they had a sabbatical year every seven years they never what they did, they said, we're not going to take off every seven years for Jehovah God. We'll go out and find our own gods, and they won't make us, they won't make us take these years off. And I, go, I did an 18-month series on the 70 weeks of Daniel on Sunday morning. Now, let's read this right here. This is talking about Ezekiel's over here in Babylon. And God is giving him visions of what's going to go on over here in Israel and how God's going to destroy Israel. He was carried away in that 597 B.C., it's believed, and he was over there in Babylon, and God's coming to him, picking him up, and showing him visions of what he's going to do to Israel because of their apostasy. But this chapter here, I love studying the the 36th chapter because he talks about how he's going to he's going to go to the mountains of Israel that was Zion and Moriah that's where is that's where Jerusalem set and he's saying I will bring you back I will plant you in your land I will give you a new heart he says that all through this 36th chapter I've got all the I wills highlighted in yellow and underlined with a red line. I will cause men to hear to hear in this shame. I will cleanse you. I will. All this is imperative. God's going to do that. Then he gets, he's talking about bringing them back in the 36th chapter because they've been scattered. The 37th chapter, he speaks about the time where they're brought back when they become one nation again. That's what the 37th chapter is about. They are back as of May 14, 1948. As of 1967, the Six-Day War from June 5th to June 10th, they've gained Jerusalem back. That's where they threw the Jordanians out. And Luke 21, 24 says, They, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the Gentile rule over the Jews is finished. The Gentile rule over Jerusalem ended in the Six-Day War of 67. And anybody that knows anything about Israel knows that. Now let's start reading this. This is about Israel coming back into one nation. They've been scattered for 2,600 years. 
The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. You think the Spirit of the Lord is different here than in the New Testament? No. It's the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit's truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, the Spirit is the truth. And set me down in the midst of a valley that was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. They've been out there drying out for 2,600 years because this is the house of Israel. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, Lord God, thou knowest, only you know. I don't even know what they are. And he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It's Israel being dead for all those millennia. Decades, centuries. Thus saith the Lord God unto the bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. Only God will cause the breath to enter into Israel. But they'll come together in a body before he calls the breath to come into them. That's what the next few verses says. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. It switches from God talking to Ezekiel talking. So I preached to the bones. This is a picture. This whole chapter is a picture of the sovereignty of God, God talking to His people. This tells you about predestination, this chapter. God says, I've got a people out there. Jim Brown, you go preach, and the dead bones that don't know God will come alive. This is about the valley of dry bones. The head bone connected to the neck bone, the neck bone connected to the shoulder bone, the shoulder bone connected to the backbone, the backbone connected to the hip bone. It's an old spiritual, but it's true. Then he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, this is a preacher preaching to the dead elect. This not a better illustration in all the Bible about predestination and God's elect people that are dead in sin. And God says, I know my people and they're known of me. And I all that belongs to me, I will draw them to me. And there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. What he's saying, I'm going to make Israel a nation first. But there'll be no spiritual breath in them. Israel is a nation. I don't know 
But I have a suspect. I suspect due to all of the wars that Israel fought, and I'm going to read to you about those wars, they were so completely overwhelmed number-wise. When they declared themselves a nation May 14, 1948, the next day, May 15, 1948, 45 million Arab nations declared war against 250,000 Jews. There's no way they were supposed to win, but they did. I don't believe that God would make Israel win an overwhelming war in 1948, another overwhelming war in 1957, the Sinai War, Another one where they were completely outnumbered in 1967 in that Six-Day War. And then the Yom Kippur War that they thought for sure were going to lose. But they didn't. Unless there was a remnant in Israel. I hope that I can be a part of getting the message to that remnant. Let's read on. And the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe upon these slain, that they will live. God equates the wind with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking to when he was talking to Nicodemus in John, the third chapter, he said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it groweth, bloweth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. The Spirit blows where it wills. That word listeth is the word thalo. It means to will. It is a form of thelema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. And thelema is that word in John 1, 13, that we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. But of God's wind, the Holy Spirit. This is one of the best chapters. You want to explain the sovereignty of God to someone, this is the chapter to show them. So I prophesied that he's commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived. This is a picture of Israel living and coming up on their feet, and God breathing breath in them. You say, Jim, I thought you said a Jew was not outly but of the heart. That's what Paul said in Romans 2. If there is a remnant in Israel, they have to become a part of the church. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. The breath came in them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Israel was a great army. Now you're going to see this army of Israel in the 38th chapter when God attacks Gog and Magog. I'm going to go into that too in this series. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. It's Judah and Ephraim. The ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes, and they've been dead a long time. 
when they come alive will be at the end of time. He's jumping from the day of Ezekiel to the end of time. They have never been a nation in 2,600 years. But they're going to have to join us in the church if there's a remnant there. This is the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts, for what we've done. Therefore prophesying to say unto Israel at that time, the church, and if anyone is alive in Israel, that'll be the remnant that has believed God. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves. That's talking about Israel has been dead all those 2,600 years. When they come together, it will be at the end of time. They've never come together before. Never have. People say, well, what about during the days of Jesus they were together? No, they weren't. Only southern Judah came back from the captivity. Only southern Judah, which was comprised of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. That's all that was back. Northern Israel was called the Ten Lost Tribes. That's what the land of Joseph or Ephraim was called, the Ten Lost Tribes. Ephraim or Joseph. That's because when the when the Assyrians came in and conquered northern Israel, they carried the ten northern tribes away, and some of them they didn't carry away. Assyria came in. Assyria is up here in this area here, the Caucasus Mountains. Assyria was the land here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. And they came in and carried Israel away into captivity up in this area. And then they ended up scattered all over the world. Now, where was I? What verse was I in? Therefore prophesy and say to them, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. That never happened till May of 1948. Has never happened. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. Now, isn't this amazing? How can Ezekiel know this future unless God has it planned? It's the sovereign will of God. It's the plan of God. Israel is telling the world what God is going to do in 1948, 1957, 1967, and 1973. He's telling them what God's going to do. Oh, my people, brought you up out of your graves. Graves is actually being mentioned because he's talking about they're dead all while they were a nation, they went after Bell in the Grove Christmas. And these preachers are preaching Christmas. We've got, it's all Roman Catholic. Roman Catholicism is Babylonianism. 
It was brought into the church and renamed the Christ Mass. It was the fire and tree worship which came out of Babylon. Then he says, You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, brought you up out of your graves. He's not talking about a literal grave. He's talking about where Israel has gone and where they've died and they've laid down. And he says, I'm going to bring you back from all over the world. And you shall put my spirit in you. That's a part of the sign of the end. Falling by the edge of the sword of all nations. That's when they lost their kingship. They went after other gods. You'll go against your enemy one way and you'll flee seven ways. And they have become the king. They have become the heavens. You shall put my spirit in you and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. And people will say, I don't need to get into this. They'll say, well, those aren't actually Israelites over there. It doesn't matter if they, you're not an Israelite unless you're circumcised of the heart. But I believe God has used these miraculous victories of these, these wars in Israel I don't believe he did it because they don't have any hope. I believe they have a, there's a remnant in Israel and they have to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You've got to come through the narrow way. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, Take the one stick right up on it for Judah, the southern kingdom. For Judah. Take a stick. And for the children of Israel, his companions. Israel would be north. Anytime Israel is spoken of after they're all dead, it's talking about northern Israel which is led by Joseph. So, and he says that, just follow this, listen, watch it. Then take another, the stick, and write up on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. Ephraim was Joseph's second-born son. He headed up. He had the, Ephraim had the inheritance of all Israel. You can see that in the 48th chapter of Genesis when Joseph went over to Egypt and his father or Jacob went over to Egypt. Joseph was ruling Egypt. And Joseph brought out his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh to get the blessing of the right hand of Jacob. And Jacob crossed his hands and gave the blessing to Ephraim, the second born of Joseph. That's why northern Israel was always referred to as Ephraim. Now, and one stick for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall be one in my hand again. That's at the end of time. They're no longer two nations. This is First Kings 11, and this over here, when they come together, is, let me put it this way, Luke 
21, 24, they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive in all nations until the time of the Gentile rule is finished. And Jerusalem no longer fell after by the Gentiles after the Six-Day War of 67. And they join them to one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. When the children of... This is exactly what the 11th chapter of Isaiah said. That there'll be no enmity between Judah and northern Israel anymore. They were always kind of at war or fighting each other until they became one in the hand of God. And that didn't happen till the 40s and 60s through the 60s of 1900s. You, this, this has never happened before. Wilt thou show us what meanest by this? Saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, the ten northern tribes, which is in the hand of Ephraim, his secondborn, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, that's the ten northern tribes that they called Israel long after the split, the reason they called it Israel is because Joseph was head of northern Israel and he had the inheritance. And in the first century, during the days of Jesus, only southern Judah was back from the captivity. If they said if the owner of the house wasn't there, the family wasn't home and the family was owned by Joseph through his son Ephraim. He had the inheritance. I put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. That has not happened until May 14, 1948. We're talking about around 587, 587 B.C. here. We're talking about long before they even came back, southern Judah came back during the days of Jesus. And that was due to the four decrees. Now, I don't have time to go into that. And the sticks whereon thy writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, that's, not, that's the twelve tribes, excuse me, that's the ten northern tribes, and will gather them on one side and bring them into their own land. That didn't happen. They were scattered all over the world. They were not a nation before May 14, 1948. This has to apply to the 20th century. Now make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. And who will that be? Jesus. And they shall be no more two nations. Well, how's that? That is laying it out, isn't it? They're not going to be Judah and northern Israel any longer. But that they go for 2,600 years before that happens. From the time they were carried away until May 14, 1948. 48. May 14, 1948. Two days later, I turned nine years old. I was alive and well 
as a little boy when that happened. In fact, let me tell you this. When I was a little boy in elementary school, before May of 1948, when they spoke of Israel in any history books, they didn't call it Israel because it wasn't Israel. As far as they were concerned, this was called Palestine in 1947, 46, 45, 44. I remember that as a little boy. They didn't update the school books until about 49, 1949 or 50. I remember when they called that and they would say, this is Palestine. That's what they called Israel. They didn't change the name in the books till about 1950. I'm not really sure, but I believe it was a couple of years later they had to get the books and change the name of Israel or Palestine to Israel. It's been in my lifetime I've seen these things happen. I've been preaching the end of time for a lot of years, but boy, there's some things happening today. If I didn't know the history that I know about Israel, if I didn't know the prophecy that I know, I might stand and argue with people about whether the coronavirus was as serious or not as it is. One thing I do know, that we're in war all over the world. I know that Israel is back into one nation. These are all signs of the end. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that say that scares me. Let me tell you, if you can live to be old, you're, you're not going to live in this world. How did those people during the Inquisition, how did they stand there and die when they would say, if you don't partake of the sacrament of the Mass, we're going to kill you. We've been torturing you for days. We peeled your skin off. They would say, go ahead and kill me. They had nothing to live for other than the Roman Catholic Church. It was easier to die during the Inquisition back in 1200 A.D. in the 13th century. It was easier to die then than it is today. America's got so much to offer. But let me tell you, when they start taking it away, and I believe they will, with a new world order, when George Bush Sr. mentioned new world order, I went, whoa! I just went, whoo, breathing hard. I remember the first time he mentioned it. That there'll be a new world order. That's the beast. But along with the beast comes Israel's end as being split up. There'll no longer be two nations. And at the end, when we get into that 38th chapter, it shows you Gog and Magog, which is the Caucasus Mountains between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. That's Assyria. That's lower Russia is going to, going to tie up. They're going to gather together with all these nations. I don't have time to get in that right now. They're going to, they're going to gather together and they're all going to attack Israel in that. Let me see if I can find that. All these nations are going to come against Israel. And it names them. It will say Gog and Magog. Gog is just the hardening of the of the consonant Ka. 
KOH. I'll go through this next week. It's the hardening of the consciousness, Gog. And that's the area between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, the Caucasus Mountains. Gog comes from the word Caucasus. Caucasus. That was the ancient Assyrians. That was my ancestors as a Caucasian. Or was I? I? How much time do I have, Mike? Five. Five minutes. Let me read the rest of this. One king shall be over them. There will no longer be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all, neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, with their bell and grove, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of the, their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people and I will be their God. And he says, David, my servant, shall be king. He's not talking about David literally. He's talking about the son of David, which is Jesus. David comes from the right lineage, the lineage of Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, till Shiloh come. Shiloh is another name for Shalom or Jesus. Peace. And they shall all have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes to do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant. When Jacob is mentioned, it's talking about the entire 12 tribes. Wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. The word tabernacle in the New Testament says, my tabernacle is with men, is the word skinae. S-K-E, or it's actually skuis, S-K-E-U-S. It's a form of the word skinae, which means a wife that's useful to the husband. That's the word tabernacle. I hope I got this message over because there's going to be more than the coronavirus or any other disease that's more serious than that. The war is here. Wars and rumors of wars. The sword is here. When the Bible says the sword, you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways. But when you're disobedient to me because of all these messages that these preachers preach and the church can obey me, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I'll send the beast. The beast will be a world system it always has been. I don't know what else to say other than I'm sure of the judgments of God from all I've studied. I'm not sure what the coronavirus is going to do or what it's going to become. 
I'm not even interested. I just believe everything that comes upon the world is of God, especially in this day and time. There's no peace when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travails upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. That's in First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, the first two verses. I'm just, I could go into chapter 38, I just don't have time. Israel coming back into one nation is a part of the prophecy of the end, along with diseases and famine. There's famine all over the world. That's why there's such an uprising and upheaval. A lot of the poor people in the world can't live, so they have some segment of their society that rises up for them, guys organize rebellion or subterfuge to try to undermine the government, so they're having fights all over the world. I challenge anybody just to go online look up wars in the world currently. You don't even know most of these places or where they are. They say all you're familiar with is Iraq, Iran, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah. Those are, those are the terrorists among these nations. And that's all we're familiar with on the news. We're not even familiar with Yemen. We don't even know what's going on in Africa, in the Congo. I'll come back next week and show you more prophecies on the end of time. It's not just it's not just pestilence. That's just one out of four. God's going to bring them all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. Wake us all up, Lord, to your to your word, your truth. Cause the believers to be awake to it. Lord, this is a sad world for us to live in when we see a world that thumbs their nose at your word, especially the preachers. That's why all this judgment is coming. Thank you for your truth. We'll praise you for everything, glorify you. I pray that you'll give us all a peace and a comfort about what's happening. It doesn't keep us from being sad and weary but give us strength to keep going open up doors for the ministry we'll praise you for everything that you're doing regardless of how weary it makes us thank you for showing us the signs of the end we'll give you praise in Christ's name amen Well, I hope that scared everybody. <laughs> well, it's here on us. I believe it's here. Lord, help us to bear up under it. Huh? Pay attention to them. They they don't know us. They don't know we love each other. People who make fun of us. 
They really don't know. We're all very close. We're a family. And if they want to be a part of the family, they have to jump in here with us and laugh when we laugh and cry when we cry. So, Jim, did Israel get their name on May 14th? They got their, the name back because you said when you were a boy it was a Pakistan. Well, they, they started calling them in Israel again. They've been calling them Jews all this time. And they they actually started changing the name in the books. They had to put out a lot of signs. And that's when the Arabs declared war against them. They came after them. And I'm going to read about those wars in this series. It's Israel being back is a sign of the end. Huh? It's not a coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence with God. It's not, gosh, Ezekiel sure was a good soothsayer, wasn't he? No. No, he was telling what God said he was going to do. It's, I don't know why people don't want to believe God's word and they call themselves a Christian. That's very sobering, I hope. Hope everybody can get a hold of the fact it's not it's not guesswork on my part. I'm just trying to tell what I've been studying for about six four seven eight four nine four two fourteen. What I've been studying for fifty six years about prophecy. And I know there's people listening. They're smarter than I am because they say they are. They must be. <laughs> we don't like you. You are arrogant. Huh? Well, they get. They said they said a Jew had to cover their head. The. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it says a man that prays with his head covered. It's a it. Gosh, it's a long explanation. <laughs> well, when the Bible says in First Corinthians eleven, does it not a shame if a man have long hair? Well, that's where his head is covered with a dowry. Because at the first of that chapter, it says the man is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of man. Man can trust his head, but the woman couldn't trust her head. All he had to do was come and say, I divorce you, get out. So she tied her dowry in her hair. And for a man to have his head covered meant he didn't trust his head, which was Christ. But the woman couldn't trust the man, so she needed to cover her head with her dowry. And they've taken all those things and twisted it. That's all. That's all. Halakha, of the of the of the. That's right. That's what it is. It's not about the Bible. Something they've twisted out of. I've always wanted to know that. I'm trying next week to turn off the sound for I just. I don't know. I don't know why I can see this and other preachers can't. I've never heard anybody else teach on the value of God. I don't think it's just quote unquote sexy enough. 
you don't think it's more sexy enough for the pet masses. It's not it's not cute enough, it's not trendy. If they start talking that stuff that like you always say, that pulpit's gonna get low, that money's gonna get low. If they talk about the history of Israel, but if they know what it's about, maybe they can scare the people. Yeah. This is scary to know that the world is coming to an end. Right. And you don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. I would be terrified at what's going on if I knew what I know and I wasn't a believer. No, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, but you can't know this without believing. Exactly. I'm just thinking that this... I just don't understand the world. I don't understand the people that call themselves Christians and not even interested in this. That's most of America. Huh? So that's most of America. That's nearly all of America. <laughs> They don't have any more idea of what I taught them today. And if they learn, it's going to scare them. Mm-hmm. Well, you it's know you... something to be afraid of. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. 